0: Shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech Podcast, talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. Welcome to episode 43 of the Adventures in Tech podcast. I'm one
1: of your hosts, Andrew. And I'm Dan.
0: And this week's episode is sponsored by Pipcorn. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if you like the content you like us, help us out by providing feedback and a rating on wherever you download your podcast from. We greatly appreciate your support. Dan loves his Pipcorn. We're, we're ready to roll. We're ready to rock. We're not going to go off the rails. Right, Dan?
1: I can't promise that.
0: Okay. Okay. So uh, we're going to, though, Dan, skip weekly wind-up. There's not a ton of news coming out. We will get back to classroom updates, but for uh, sake of time, we are going to go into our special guest interview. The one thing I did want to say is we will post the sticker requests, right? If anybody wants a sticker, please let us know. Uh, but our interview this week, it was with he was just fantastic, and it's Dave Burgess. And then Dan, we love Dave.
1: Absolutely. So let's get right to the interview.
0: All right, so Dan and I are very fortunate today. We have Dave Burgess. He's a well-known author, speaker, and educational consultant in the field of education. He is the author of one of my favorite books and the best-selling book, Teach Like a Pirate, which provides teachers with practical strategies for engaging students, creating dynamic lessons, and of course, igniting a love of learning. Dave is also a sought-after keynote speaker, known for his inspiring and energetic presentations on the topic of teaching and learning. He has over 25 years of experience in the field of education and is a wealth of knowledge and expertise on how to create engaging and effective learning environments for students. Dave is so passionate about empowering teachers and helping them make a greater impact in their classrooms, and his work has been praised by educators all over the world, and I cannot tell you how grateful Dan and I are to have Dave welcome to the Adventures in Tech podcast. Dave, I hope I gave a a good introduction and overview of your bio there,
2: it was absolutely awesome. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be on the show. Thanks. I really appreciate being here with you.
0: Great. So, Dave, tell us. Uh, you know, can you tell us about your background? How you how you got into the author, speaker, educational consultant in education?
2: Yeah. So my background first goes all the way back to coaching. Before I was a teacher, I was a coach. Um, I always say that uh, basketball was my gateway drug into education, and my my first job. I worked for John Wooden at the John Wooden basketball camps, Thousand Oaks, wow. California. Yeah, that's awesome. three, three summers for John Wooden. So I got to kind of sit at the feet of the master, and he had a big influence on my life. And uh, then my first job in the school system, I was hired as a basketball coach and didn't even have a teacher credential. I enjoyed working with the kids so much. I'm like, why? How come I'm not doing this for my life? Went back to night school, got my teacher credential, and started to teach at that same school. Eventually got so obsessed with teaching gave the coaching up uh, and just focused in on the teaching. And then partway through that journey uh, is when I started to enter into, started to do workshops and seminars and speak at conferences. And that just kind of all spiraled from there. Uh,
1: that's, that's, awesome. that's great. So, you know, thinking of that, like, so what was it in your experience as a teacher that influenced you to, to work in educational consulting and authoring and, and making that leap?
2: Yeah. So I think it's about amplifying your impact. So that's one of the things as an educator, we get a chance to have this incredible impact. I, I call it embracing the mightier purpose of being an educator. You are, we are in the life-changing business. And so if you think about the number of people that we impact with the students in our classroom, but then not just that, like this, those students go off and have interactions with right. other people and in communities. And eventually, you know, it's a, it's, it's a world-changing profession. And so as a teacher, I got to the point where it's like, okay, I, how can I even have a bigger impact? And that was like, well, maybe I can go share what I'm doing with other teachers and try to help them with their students. And then that eventually became, so as, as I started to go speak and the message started to resonate and the book came out and all these things happen, then it was like, okay, wait a second. Now I've told my story. I've amplified my impact. Now, how can I help other people amplified their impact. and so then the focus of the company became much less about me and my project became more about like, hey, I didn't tell the whole story. I don't know everything about teaching. And so how can I find people that are doing powerful things in their classroom and help them spread their message? And that's where you get into some of these other people that uh, you know all that we've published over
1: 175 mm-hmm. books now. Uh, that's great you know it's it's fun getting to listen to you and for our audience you did mention first if this was video i kind of wish it was video because i can (laughs) see that passion coming through you when when you begin talking about it and it, it just makes me think back to when i when i read your book originally and and seeing that passion come out and it made me like realize that when i'm in there i can use my passion to create experiences for students and that has really influenced me, um, as a teacher as well. So it's great seeing that and hearing that from you. Yeah, no, it's fun. It's, it's this
2: situation where like sometimes when people that, well, this is, they'll say to me, they'll say like, Hey, how come you didn't write about this in the book or how come this isn't in the book? And they'll point to these things. And like educational technology would be one of those places where actually the book is very thin on knitting uh, ed tech, right? right. And I, I, I always tell people the same thing. Well, there's a very good reason why there's not much ed tech in the book. It's because I wasn't very good at it, right? <laughs> so, like, I, I wanted the book to be written from a very authentic place. Like if it's in the book, I did it and I felt right. I was successful with it and then I'm sharing it, right? But so I know that again, I'm not, I don't, it's not, it was never meant to be the encyclopedia of teaching. That's what I tell people. It's like, hey, I didn't try to write the encyclopedia of teaching. I tried to tell my story of what was being successful for me in my classroom with my students. Well, but I know ed tech is important. So maybe I can connect with this guy named Matt Miller. Maybe I, can, maybe I can help Matt Miller spread his message. Maybe I can yeah. take uh, what Alice Keeler is doing and help Alice yep. spread her messages. Maybe I can take Eric Kurtz with Control yep. All the Chief and help him spread his message. And so it became a situation of like where, okay, I need to find people who are good at some of these other things. And the way I can amplify my impact is by helping them.
0: That's great. Dave, that really resonates with everything you were saying. And and I want to talk about that because you, you just completely described how you're pivoting with, you know, the ed tech realm and everything like that. But before we get into that, because you're so passionate, as Dan had mentioned, let's talk just a bit about teach like a pirate. Like how did the concept for the book come about and what message, you know, uh, is the main point to that you want to convey through it. Obviously you talk to talk, you walk the walk, but what was the message that you wanted educators, if they could have one takeaway from the book?
2: Yeah. So if you take a look at what Matt did with Tech Like a Pirate, for example, the the line that inspired Matt in that project was, "Don't just teach a lesson; create an experience." Yep. And so that's yep. one of the key that's one of the key takeaways from the book, is that like uh, they might forget that prohibition lecture, right? But they're mm-hmm. never going to forget going to the speakeasy, the experience right. that you create around it, right? And so it's like, here's my content not good enough. How do I make it come alive? How do I make it memorable? How do I create an experience around this? So it's adding that richness to our instruction. And the example I use often is in my in like keynotes and presentations is I come out with like this raw steak. Like, hey, like if someone served you this raw steak for dinner, like you're not going to be very happy right now. No, yeah. there's all sorts of things that go along with that steak, right? And even by the way, if you were coming to my house for dinner, I would first contact you to find out if you even eat steak. And if you didn't eat steak, <laughs> I would provide you a suitable alternative, right? And so, and so we don't, and so, but even if you did eat steak. Before you got there, I would have put some rub and seasoning on it. I would have soaked it in a flavorful marinade, right? I would have preheated my grill. I don't pump my content down, my steak down on a cold grill. I preheat my grill, right? Because when you <laughs> drop your steak on a cold grill, nothing happens. But when you drop, right. it, drop it on a preheated grill, what happens? It sizzles, right? We want our content to sizzle when we drop it. But then when I serve it to you, I would offer you some side dishes to go with it, a beverage to drink. And when all that was done, I would offer you dessert, right? And that's <laughs> what we would call a meal. That's what we would call a dying experience. And that's how we have to look at education too. You don't just come out with your raw content and, and flop it out in front of students, right? It's you have to have that, you have to take the time, the energy to add that richness. What are you marinating with? What are the seasonings? What are the side dishes, beverages? And so that's what Teach Like a Pirate is about is how you can add all these other elements. You know your content. Teachers know right. their content. So now how can you take that content and make it so it's more appetizing for kids and get gets them excited about it and wanting, not just wanting to dine with you that day, but come back the next day and join you again.
0: That's such a great analogy. I, I mean, I, I can't, I love it. I, I love how it resonated. and you were just so passionate about it, Dave, that it speaks volumes and, uh, you know, it's very, you know, it, it just resonates, you know, into everybody's core because it is exactly what teaching is about. It's not talking about the content, but the sizzle right. and the sear and
1: everything else that goes around with it. And, you know, I, I was going to say, I love that analogy. Um, I, I might have to use that and steal that mm. from you because that's a great way of doing it because so often, you know, everything with, you know, when we work with teachers, it's about content, but often we forget that like, we're not teaching content, we're teaching children. Uh, a diverse group of children, children with different aptitudes and different passions. And then all those things that go along the side is where we can become really powerful as a teacher in order to, to tap into that and provide those opportunities. So that was super awesome. And it also makes me think of like when you're teaching, you're teaching, at, uh, teaching, you know, like a pirate what does pirate actually mean? Because I'm not sure if I think that would be good for our listeners to know that, you know, is pirate just the person that's going to go and, and sail on that boat and rob things from people? Or is there a deeper meaning to pirate?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So people will ask me about this all the time, right? So it's, there's, uh, it has nothing to do with the dictionary definition. We do not want teachers to go out and attack and rob ships at sea, right? <laughs> so there's kind, of, there's kind of three layers of the whole pirate metaphor. First of all, it's about embracing the spirit of a pirate. To me, the spirit of a pirate is someone who's unconventional, someone who's willing to reject the status quo, someone who's willing to sail into uncharted waters with no guarantee of success, a risk taker, a rebel, a maverick in the classroom. So it's embracing that spirit of being a pirate as someone who is willing to go outside the norms. And then it also is an acronym. And so I'm abnormally obsessed with acronyms, as many educators are. So the first thing I did is I turned the page sideways. I wrote P-I-R-A-T-E down the page. I tried to make an acronym. I knew I wanted to talk about passion and enthusiasm, they're the P and the E We're sitting at the cornerstone, at the, end of the beginning of the end of the word, like the cornerstones of it. And I knew I wanted to talk about building rapport with kids as sort of being the heart of teaching, They're the R was sitting in the center. And so the whole word P-I-R-A-T is an acronym. And then also it's a play on words with hooks. This is all about how you can hook students and get them into your content, into your curriculum and draw them into what you're doing almost magically or magnetically. And so pirates are known for having hooks, and this is all about how you can hook students in your content. So it's kind of that's kind of the three layers of the whole pirate metaphor thing.
1: Oh, that's great. Um, so, you know, looking at that, and as you started um, um, moving forward, I'm just wondering, can you share some of the most exciting projects or initiatives that you've worked on, um, either related to your experience in the classroom or in um, your experience in teacher development?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I think we're, we're super proud of all of the books, um, and every project has, you know, I think has made it a significant impact, and certainly there's some kind of uh, touchstone projects that really kind of change things for us. One of them, I think, is The Innovator's Mindset with George Kuros, mm-hmm. and getting a chance to work with George, and now I, we brought a publishing company together, too, like a kind of a subsidiary of Burgess Consulting and Press Books. And so it's been an honor to work with George. Uh, Matt's book for sure is kind of a, you know, one of the touchstone projects of the DBC line. When I can still remember, I spoke in Indiana at a conference and I was, I was keynoting it and Matt was speaking at the conference too. This is very early in Matt's journey. And Matt contacted me and wanted some uh, kind of help with his speaking business mm. and with how he could get out there more on the road and get in front of more people. And I can still remember, I could picture the desk in the hotel room that I was staying in and I had like a conversation with Matt and I said, Matt, you got to write a book. And I can remember Matt's initial pushback was like, Dave, you don't understand. My brand is ditch that textbook. (laughs) You're you're telling me to write a book. And I'm like, I am the ditch that textbook guy. Like, do you know how much grief I'm going to get if the ditch that textbook guy is trying to sell a book? And I'm like, hey, you know what? You will get some grief about it, but you that's the way you're gonna be able to amplify your message and right. you, need to, you need to write this book. And so sign Matt and um, ditch that textbook came out. And I think the you know the Alice Keeler projects were big mm-hmm. for us too early on. Yeah. Um, yeah. all the I can remember Alice was going to go speak at ISTE. Google Classroom was all the rage. Everyone was talking about Google Classroom. A lot of people didn't know what was going on with this Google Classroom thing and she was writing blog posts about it. And her blog posts were blowing up, like every single one was going viral. Mm -hmm. And we pulled together that project and got 50 things to do with Google Classroom out for her to have an ISTE, and man, it just like exploded. And so I think you know those are some of the, like I said, we're proud of all of them, but those are some of the early ones that that, uh, really, really set things off for us.
0: Dave, I want to I want to talk and and kind of pivot in the in the idea of how do you see the role of teachers nowadays evolving in this modern classroom and with the latest news of AI coming out? And like what skills are essential for teachers to have in order to be successful in this, you know, changing landscape that's rapidly changing?
2: Yeah, and so I don't have any of the same fears about the AI stuff that a lot of people have. And I think there's several reasons for that. First of all, it's another tool in our toolbox, right? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. these things have come along many times before. Now I think AI is gonna be transformational. There's no doubt about it. This is not some little trend or fad. This is gonna be, uh, this is gonna shift the entire landscape, okay? But not in a scary way. And if you look back at it, I'll give you kind of several examples of this. And so, I mean, obviously like when the calculator came out and was like, oh my God, what?" I guess what what's going to happen with math class? <laughs> like they can just plug things into a calculator. Like this, this is over. Like why do we even have math teachers anymore? Like, <laughs> and of course, that's just absolutely completely ridiculous, right? Right. And right. It, math calculators became an important tool in the in the toolbox. And same thing happened with Google. Like, are you kidding me? Like, what's? I'll throw every single test out the window. The kids can just <laughs> they can just push it into Google, right? They can just punch it into Google. You're right. Uh, why do we even? Why do we teach any content at all anymore? A a kid can pull it up, pull out his phone and pull it up faster than you can even say it out of your mouth, right? And so it's all over because of Google. No, Google became such an incredible useful tool for us to use in education. And this is the same thing true with AI. I'll I'll give you an example. I'm a chess player. And so I'm obsessed with chess. Well, the same thing happened with that. Uh, Gary Kasparov was the world champion And he played Deep Blue, a chess computer, and he lost. And everybody was on fire. Oh my God, chess is over. (laughs) And now the top chess computers, uh, like if you're a chess nerd, you know these are like Alpha Zero, Stockfish. Stockfish is one of the top chess computers. They are so much better than the best human in the world. It's not even funny. They are Hmm. incredible. They can destroy any (laughs) human. No human can win a game against Stockfish. Okay. Wow. That's how good the, compu- the chess computers are now. So did it inch? People were worried like oh, chess must be, o- it's gonna be over now. I mean, all the computers are better. Like, no, the computers have become incredible tools in the arsenal of chess professionals, right. and even me, a chess amateur, I use chess computers, to. to I, I go analyze, I lose a game. How did I go wrong? I put it into the chess engine and the engine is able to point to me like, oh, oh, this is where the game turned around for me. I didn't see this tactic and like, I go, and I learn more. And actually now chess computers have transformed how humans play chess and they have whole new strategies and ideas and concepts that the top chess professionals in the world are using that are computer generated, okay? And so now it's just actually raised the level. It didn't ruin chess. It's raised the level of chess and it's made it more accessible to more people as well because more right. people now are, are able to take advantage of these, these tools. Same thing's gonna happen with AI. It's just gonna raise level. It's just gonna help us. And so I am not scared about the um, this coming revolution at all. I'm excited about right. it.
0: I think that Dan and I can both agree with you 100%. We're excited. There's been a lot of calls to block it, and it's going to change. Get rid of English teachers, right? It's not going to happen. We are on the same wavelength as you, Dave. That was great.
1: Well, I mean, I, I just love the analogies that you're giving us today, the raw steak, but now the chess computers hey, raising the game. Um, And then talking about, you know, you're, you're starting to work with Matt and, and the other people like Eric with the with the Ed Tech because it's all revolving around the same message, that you're going in there to create experiences, to provide the best learning opportunities for your students. So being able to utilize whatever technology it is, or AI is just going to generate more time for the application of experiences and the application of thought in the classroom, which is truly exciting as we keep moving forward. Um, And I think that a lot of people are on the forefront Embracing that. But still, I think there's a lot of challenges that are out there. So in your experience um, with with teachers and educators today, what do you think the biggest challenge is that's facing um, education today? And how do you see these challenges being addressed in the future?
2: Yeah, so I would say, as I kind of travel around and see teachers in different places, I think um, morale might be at an all time low. Right. And I think if you were to really like, if you were to survey teachers and say like, Hey, what is it that you're concerned about in education right now? I don't think AI would even be on the, the radar. I think mm-hmm. most educators I'm talking to see it again as just one of these shifts in the landscape, which is uh, that they're going to, they might have some struggles. Now they might have some issues. Like how are we going to do this? How are we going to use this? Um, how are we going to, you know, I know some concerned about, plagiarism and like all this kind of stuff like that. I I think those things are going to work themselves out. I think still the bigger issue is that teachers feel overwhelmed. Teachers yeah. feel that they're, uh, I hear lots of discussions of behavior management issues. And like, that seems like kind of an old school thing to be worried about. But I think that if you're actually in the trenches right now, that there has been something that's a little different right now, as far as dealing with students and um, engagement, behavior management, all those things like that. And you know that's why I feel good about my message. I feel it's an evergreen. Um, sometimes people bristle at my focus on things like student engagement. And I always thought like hey listen, it doesn't matter what you say if nobody's listening. Mm-hmm. Right. It, always, it always comes back to that. like if you't ha- if you can't pull your class in and really have them in the palm of your hands and, uh, and uh, you're, you're in trouble. And I think maybe even more so now than before.
1: No, it's a very think- good point. You know, it's always said, one thing that always goes back to me as we think about that, um, is the best classroom management's a good lesson plan. And then, you know, going back to, you know, that revelation I had when I when I read uh, your your book uh, years ago, Teach Like a Pirate is like, really when I'm creating my lesson, I should be thinking about creating experiences. And and that, and find those hooks and bring them in. And, and so that's, that's a great message. Thank you. Yeah. Dave, let's talk about that message, right? So, you know, we
0: know now that you're, uh, you know, a, a well sought after keynote speaker, and can you uh, elaborate and speak about your experience as a keynote speaker and that message you want to convey through your presentations as you're at all of your speaking engagements?
2: Yeah. So when I'm speaking, I look at, it's kind of a 50, 50 split. So 50% of the time, Uh, You might think you're listening to like a motivational speaker, like a Zig Ziglar or something like this, who's trying (laughs) Mm -hmm. to light you up and get you to take action and get excited about this work, excited about this profession. And then 50% of the time, I am just literally showing you things as if you are the students. I am showing you things that I do in my classroom and allowing you to feel what it's like to be drawn in by these ideas and demonstrating these things, which then you can take and use the next day or add into what you're already doing and into your curriculum. And so I think that's a super important part about that. And that's the way we look at the books too, is we want all the books to be inspirational. We want them all, we want you to get uh, fired up about them, but we want every book to also have that practicality. We want people to, like, I want people to go to my keynote and walk and, and like I want them just like, how am I gonna use this tomorrow? And have there right. be real, real clear answers to that, right? I don't want something that just gets you fired up and then you walk away and then like you kind of forget about it. I want things that change practice. Same thing with books, yes, inspire me. But also we ask ourselves, what is someone gonna do different next week after they read this book? And we want there to be clear answers for that. And so that's the same thing with the keynote is I'm trying to intentionally hit kind of that 50-50 split of not only am I gonna show you what to do how to do it and how it's going to transform your teaching but also light you on fire to go out there and actually do it and so it's kind of you have to have that, that combination and so i'm walking that fine line between those things even if it's a, a thousand people you know if i'm doing like if i'm in a little school library doing a staff of 25 people um or a thousand people in an auditorium i'm still I just literally do the part of my lesson (laughs) right Right there in front of them as if they're the students. Cause I want them to like, see like, Oh, I get it now. Like, that's pretty cool. Like that, that would draw a kid in. I see that now because it just drew me in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I love that, you know, that message that you just said of how you're trying to inspire the educators and everybody to change their practice and evolve. That's, that's a phenomenal
1: message. Um, so, you know, I'm curious, though, so you've been around, you've had all these experience, you're you're touching so many educators out there, ourselves included, um, everything you're doing for us. Is there any particularly memorable moment or experience you had as a result of all the, the work that you're doing that really just stands out for you? Uh,
2: yes, that's a tough one. So I, there's been <laughs> lots of moments that have been like that. Um, I think one of the most memorable things is going to a conference and like you don't really have a real sense like to me I'm just dave
0: mm-hmm. yep
2: and my i went to a conference with some buddies and like people were just I couldn't walk across the car I could not walk across from one place to another like I had to like be to get to my sessions I had to almost like take back back alleys to get to celebrity like all all these like pictures and stuff and like they're like hey they're like holding the cameras and taking all these pictures and stuff like that and to me I'm just like what the heck is going on like this is because again I'm 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 just Dave. I'm I'm Dave. I'm
0: I'm a
2: U.S. I'm a U.S. history teacher who wrote a book about some stuff I'm doing in the classroom. Right, and then it was like this surreal. Is the only word I can say for it. And I'm still, it still blows me away. And um, yeah, it's uh, I never take it for granted, and it's just something that you know I try to be super gracious in because it's like. I, I don't know why y'all want a picture, but like, (laughs) let's do this smile. And, um, but it's just like a super surreal thing. And it's just the, the book, I had the good fortune to have it go viral. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So teach like a pirate, the book and in social media and in various places, it went viral and just like, well, beyond anything I was doing, it just like spun completely out of control and became this whole kind of thing. And, uh. Yeah, I'm still getting used to that.
0: <laughs> well, you know, kudos to you, Dave, yeah. for that, because mm-hmm. that's just that's just a scratch on the surface of the kind of impact that you've made with Teach Like a Pirate and the consulting and the keynotes and everything else that you said that now has spiraled and come out of that. So that's, you know, that's phenomenal. So as far as advice for teachers looking to improve their practice, besides reading your book, if they mm-hmm. haven't already, right, and make a greater yeah. impact in the classrooms, what kind of advice would you give Let's say, uh, you know, whether they're a seasoned teacher or a novice, a beginning teacher who is just starting their career in this field, What are what some tips or tricks or advice you can give them?
2: Yeah. So first of all, what is unique about you, your particular strengths, your talents and your voice that you can add to your classroom is what's going to make you most powerful and effective with students. And so I never, I always emphasize this. I am not trying to create Dave Burgess clones. I do not want people uh, going out and teaching like David David is just sharing with you some ideas that helped, I, these helped me, right? But right. now you take your strengths, your talents, your voice, and then you weave it together with some of the human nature ideas that I'm talking about and teach like a pirate to create the best you. So it's never right. about you teaching like me because that's, you're going to be a poor imitation of me, much like I would be a poor imitation of you, right? right. And right. so, but you're, so it's, you're looking to add your own voice to what you do. And the other thing I would tell you is always walk around the world with the mindset of how can I use that? Like, that's what I always say. How can I use that? When you see what is it that's engaging people right now out in the real world? How can I use that in my classroom? What is it the kids are into outside of school? How can I use that inside of school? And that's the same thing with like a chat GPT or anything like that. Don't, don't, don't fear it. Like say, how can I use that? Right. Um, when I, now there's two, there's kind of two kinds of teachers and uh, picture, I'm saying this maybe two years ago. Okay. But <laughs> So one teacher says, all right, you know what? Um, I'm a rational human being. I have a family to support. But if I see one more kid with a fidget spinner, I'm going to go to prison. I'm
0: just,
2: gonna- <laughs> I- I'm just like, there's-, there's battles worth fighting in education.
0: That ain't- uh, no,
2: a, f- a fidget spinner is one of them. I will choke a kid out yeah. over a fidget spinner. You know, like, so like that was the one kind of teacher. The other kind of teacher is like, wow, that got big really fast. How can I use that? And maybe I can use uh, that as a writing prompt. Like I want you to, today you're going to write about the greatest fidget spinner in the history of the world. Or maybe we're going to use it in science. Right. Learn like why do some spin faster than others? And learn about friction and different, and these different forces and stuff like this. And maybe we'll use a, a 3D printer and we'll code it in and we'll print out, we'll make, we'll ha- have you make your own fidget spinner or whatever by right. And so it, it's a mindset of like being, a fearing something or saying, how can I use that art? Uh, but Mr. Fuller, put it this way. Don't fight forces, use them. Yeah, AI is a perfect example of this. Like, you think you're going to fight AI? You are fighting a losing battle. So don't fight forces, use them. How can I use that is the question that you always ask. And I'm going to tell you something strange about Teach Like a Pirate that ties into this. There's not one educational book reference inside of it. Not a single one. Not because I don't like education books. I published over 175. It's because that's not where it came from. It was from the outside drawn in. It's my background as a coach. I told you I started as a coach. I use that in my classroom. Some of those techniques and strategies of a coach also are great techniques and strategies for teaching, right? My background as a magician influenced my sense of staging and showmanship and incorporation of props. My background as a marketer and entrepreneur. How a mar- What is a marketer? want to do they're delivering a message and trying to persuade you to take action that's what a marketer is trying to do well what are we trying to do mm-hmm. is teaching we, we have messages and we're trying to persuade kids to take action right and so i'm using marketing and entrepreneurship ideas and sales ideas and tying it into my curriculum and how and how i teach now my background now uh this is just a podcast but now i have a background as an mc now if you were to see me do a professional development workshop you would say wait a second is this a pd or is this a show Right, because I'm a person who's used to speaking in a fast and flourishy way on a microphone in front of people. And so it's influenced by professional development speaking style, right? So all these things have come together to create the best me again, but it's not about me, you teaching like me, it's about you taking doing that for your life too. And so the reason I'm able to do that is because I have a wide array of interests. I say live wide, read wide. Don't just read in the education section of the bookstore, right? If you will intentionally honor your outside passions and interests and be willing to develop new ones, right? That's time away from education. But it's going to come back and it's going to influence you as an educator because now you're taking ideas from outside of education and you're dragging them back into your classroom into your school system so be willing to be a fully rounded person like a uh, you know you're, you're gonna uh intentionally unplug from education that's part of self-care as well mm-hmm. right but it's not yeah. just it's not just for self-care it's because when you unplug from education and honor your outside interests and, and hobbies and develop new ones. That gives you creative ammunition, which you're gonna be able to bring back in. And so that's been a big influence for me. And I think it will be a lot of, so not again, it's not just that people emphasize the self-care nature of that, which is important, but it also is a big part of creativity as well.
1: Um, Well, now you've got me all fired up, Um, totally inspired, but what, you know, I'm listening to you and I'm just in my mind, it's going back to like the authenticity of you as a person and you as an educator you know, bringing in your passion, sharing them, be willing to to go down that road and be your authentic self with students, because then that's gonna go to that R right there in Pirate. Like building that rapport is so important as you start off working with your students to build that space that trust, that, that, that just that synergy within a classroom because when you can build that rapport, it opens up so many avenues of opportunity to take risks as a teacher and have the students support you on the risk or the, the students be able to trust you to take the risk and allow you to support them in there. So I love that message of bringing in your passions, your authenticity, bringing in the outside world into your classroom so you can really build upon that rapport of the students. That really strikes a chord.
2: And that's something with a lot of the projects too, the books, is we were trying to get the authors, we put it as a man, we said, we want you to write your manifesto. Not something you're a little interested in. We want you to write the core message behind what you want to share with educators in the world and to share your story as a part of it. Like a lot of books today, if you put them out on the table, education books, and you change the names around on the bottom of the books, it wouldn't even matter wouldn't matter they're not in the book it's written third person formal academic but the idea of changing the names on the bottom of our books would be ridiculous because our people are in their books like if you take a book like say tech with heart tech with heart by stacy roshan okay it's because of her experience as a student and a student with anxiety and some of the issues that she was going with growing up she was vulnerable in the book and shared those things and then she shows how now a lot of times people think about tech as being impersonal and she actually flips the script on that it says, no, tech is actually a tool for personalization. Mm-hmm. It's a tool for allow, allow people, uh, all the voices in your classroom to be heard. So a lot of times classrooms are overwhelmed by the hand raisers and the blitter outers of answers and the fast processors. But there's so many people in your classroom that have incredible things to share, but maybe they're a little slower to process. Maybe they have some uh, social anxiety with sharing in front of their peers. Maybe there's some other stuff going on. And by using technology, you can empower all of those voices. You can have different ways that they can share what's going on. And then you realize like, oh, wait a second, that person hasn't said anything for three months. But when I gave them the opportunity through technology to share what they, uh, what they were thinking about and what they were interested in, all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, that's like, one of the deepest thinkers in my class, actually.
0: Right. I, yeah. I, thought
2: they were hard. I thought they were barely paying attention, but I offered them this new avenue in order to empower them to share their voice. And now they're one of the most significant contributors in my classroom. And so like those messages are super important.
0: Dave, that's very powerful. And, and something that just resonated with me that I think is a quote that I just I can't get out of my mind is how you said, don't fight the forces, use them. It's just so powerful with how many things have come out, you know, and, and it may force change, but use those to your advantage and, and to be a more effective educator and create those experiences.
2: Yeah. You, you take some kids. what's, what is the hardest thing for any assignment for a kid or an adult you, starting? Mm-hmm. The, the blank page is intimidating. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. I work with a lot of authors, right? And so I know that the blank page, like the hardest way to write a book is to open up a document and say, okay, page one, let's go. Like, no, like, like you'll sit there for hours. without like right. What's my first sentence, right? So think about kids and how they have this uh, fear of starting and this like perfectionism that overcomes them and they don't want to make a mistake and all this kind of stuff. And well, maybe that we can use AI for this. Maybe we can get mm-hmm. something down on paper, a rough draft, but then they go in and work and personalize and add. And so we can use these tools in ways that are going to help students overcome some of the obstacles and challenges that they face. And it's just going to be, um, you know, I think we're, it's going to be increasingly powerful in the way that we
1: can help students with these tools. Uh, that's great. So I think... um we we can start wrapping things up right now. Yep, kept you on. Um, you no, know, there's so many. I can keep talking forever. I mean, I I'm just looking through because you were talking about, um, all the different people that you've worked with, and I pulled up again. I've looked at it so many times, but I pulled up the the list of like DBCI books that you have on the website, and just the, like, the 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 authors that you work with. Um, you really have a place in the education community amongst educators that are willing to share with with other educators. And I think that is inspiring for a lot of people. And I think that's what a lot of people should really be aware of, of not only your books, but your, your speaking and the people that you work with are out there building a community of educators that is based upon sharing and doing what's best for kids. And, and that's a really important thing that, um, is that should be out there. And I'm glad that it is.
2: Oh yeah. I think that's, that's super important to us. We're looking for prolific shares. We're looking for community builders. We're looking for people that are great at connecting. Not someone who wants to write a book and then we'll go walk away and do something else, but to understand that a book is the start of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So now right. you shared your story, you wrote your book now, we're looking for people that want to connect with their readers and build a community around their message. Mm-hmm. And so there's this spirit of reciprocity in the universe mm. is that when you are a prolific sharer, when you are a community builder, and when you are a connector of people, those communities will turn around and support you, right? And so that's a central piece of what we do at DBC. And I, I've said this to authors over and over again, Don't try to go sell your book. Because when you try to sell something, then not only do you feel kind of icky because you you're do not you an educator, you don't like to be salesy, right? And right. whoever you're talking to is kind of resistant. They don't like to be sold. No one likes to feel sold, right? So go spread your message. That's why you came to us to begin with. You had a message that you wanted to spread. Don't let that change when you have a book. Go out and spread a message, build a community around that message and be an authentic member of that community. And then what will happen is that community will eventually support you.
0: So true. That's a great, Yeah, that's a great yeah. message as we start to wrap things up. So Dave, uh, what's the best place for the listeners to reach you and and check out the consulting and all of the authors and the books you guys have, have put out?
2: Yeah, so I am uh, on Twitter. You can find me at Burgess Dave. My name just flipped around at Burgess Dave. Yep. Instagram. I'm DBC underscore INC on Instagram. You have to put up with some running and fitness posts there too, but also education. <laughs> um, and I have a podcast, the Dave Burgess show.
0: I saw
1: yep, that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I would love to have uh, We have lots, I have lots of the authors on and plus have some solo episodes. So the Dave Burgess show podcast, I'd love to have you people listen to. And I'm at both Dave Burgess.com and Dave Burgess consulting.com. That's,
1: That's great. That's great. And yeah. I just want to say, I just looked and I was looking, I'm ordering my next book now, which is run like a pirate. Cause I haven't <laughs> noticed
2: that out <laughs> of yeah, welcome. He's just the latest, uh, guest on the Dave Burdus show.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to go and listen awesome. to that awesome. Uh, awesome. as a big runner myself. I'm like, Ooh, this is, this would hit a core oh, man. You're going to
2: love you're gonna have, If you're a runner, it, it, it's I, I talk about in the podcast, it's kind of like Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. It's not really about motorcycle maintenance. Uh, and, and run like a is kind of like that the whole through line of the story is his journey to run a marathon every month wow you know, uh-huh. of, of a year but that's that's the through line but really it's the lessons along the way oh. about you know i, I have things
1: i have to read it now that was uh that was my goal which i did during covid every month of the lockdown i ran a right. marathon or an ultra
2: oh you are going to absolutely <laughs> eat that, You're
1: gonna love it. awesome i'm ordering
0: it now yeah that's yeah. great Dave, we can't thank you enough for joining us and and sharing your expertise and your time today. Uh we're truly appreciative of it. And hopefully we get to see you in person at one of your keynotes or speaking conventions or or whatnot. And and we'll say, Hey, Dave, remember when we see you, we'll say, Dave, we gotta take a picture just because we know it's gonna, you know, <laughs> you, you got to have a picture.
1: <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> it's, like, it's just Dave. <laughs> we we'll, we will get that.
2: We'll get that selfie, get
0: it up on social media. <laughs> there you go. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly right. Hey.
2: So I really appreciate you two having me on the show. You guys are doing wonderful work. I love, you know, I know I've listened to some of your episodes with Matt and various various people. And you guys do great stuff. So thank you for putting your work out into the world. Hey, it's all about sharing. It's all about about sharing. sharing. Like
0: you said, Dave, thank you you so much. uh, And hopefully we'll see you around soon. Sounds great. All right, Dan, I can't say that was such a fantastic interview with Dave. He is so exciting to just listen to. Uh, And and obviously, we were able to actually meet with
1: a a video as well. And he's just animated and and just motivating. I'm definitely motivated coming out of that. This is maybe one of the few times I wish we had a video uh, component. Don't give me any ideas, Dan. (laughs) This is one of very few. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to look at these pieces.
0: Oh, yeah, they'll see you eating your popcorn, right? That's, That's right. That's it. So, all right, once again, thank you for all your support. Listen on all the platforms, leaving us those reviews. You have questions, comments, suggestions. Reach out on the socials. Tech card. work smart, live and adventure. Find Andrew on all socials at A Nicola Tech and Dan at WCSD Tech DR.